You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. So yeah, if you don't know me, my name is Ben. I've created a great privilege to be part of our teaching team here at Life. Um, my day job is I have the uh, honour of being the Dean of our Bible College, Life Leadership College. So uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to share around God's Word, to teach a little bit. And uh, my prayer this morning is that we would really lean in for what I believe God really has for us. Um, you know, we're in this heartbeat series at the moment, which is all about our eight values as a church. And can I encourage you, values are incredibly important. I think if there's ever been a week in the life of our nation where we've seen the importance of values, it's been this last week. Because uh, just over a week ago, a very horrific event happened um, that we don't just move on from. But what I've noticed in the media this week, in people's comments in drawings on chalk, in, in, in messages left um, with flowers, that there's been these two constant refrains that I've heard time and time again. Number one is, this is not us. This, what has gone on, is not us. It doesn't fit with our culture, it doesn't fit with our beliefs, it doesn't fit with our values. And the other thing I've heard is, you are us. You are us. Can I tell you, this is what values look like. Because values define us, define how we respond, in the toughest of time, they are our anchor points. And so can I encourage you, when we're going through this series, it's, it's, so, it's been um, just incredibly encouraging to see our nation band together and to unite uh, and to draw a line in the ground and say, this behaviour is not who we are. But how much more should the church have these values? How much more should we as a church know what we believe, that when we face trouble, we're not caught, but we go, no, actually, we know what the bedrock of, of who we are is and... If you've missed the last few weeks, uh, Pastor Paul talked about people are our priority. Hopefully you realise that. Church is not an event. Uh, Because God gave everything for us, we give our lives for other people. And then after that, we talked about worship is our wisdom. Worship is our wisdom. And uh, Jeremy, so the man who was um, here today behind this microphone, I like to think we play musical chairs with Jeremy because one week he's on the acoustic and one week he's on the electric, one week he's on the drums. Um, he's so talented. I'm not sure it left much for me, um, but we appreciate you, Jeremy. Uh, but he said something in our student in our college chapel a few weeks ago that's really resonated with me. And he said this. He said, the things that we are doing, are we just doing them for God or are we doing them with God? Are we just doing them for God or are we doing them with God? And this is what worship is our wisdom is all about. We don't have it all together, but we're thankful that God is our um, unceasing source. He is our strength. He is our wisdom. He is our counselor. He is our comforter. In everything we do, we continue to realign ourselves with God through worship and say, God, you are God. I'm really bad at it. Can you please continue doing what you do? And I will lean on you to do what I need to do. Uh, And then last week, we talked about partnership is our privilege, which is we don't have to, we get to. Anything God would include us in any part of his incredible redemptive narrative, his ability to speak to people, to encourage people, to make a difference for people is always an incredible privilege. And so we've been through those three and today we're looking at excellence is our essence and servanthood is our spirit. Uh, And to do that, we're going to actually turn to a passage which on the surface wouldn't seem like it had much to do with today's topic. So I'm going to ask you to think, which... I say to students, and sometimes they smile, and sometimes they 
tell me they're hungry. But I'm going to ask you to think this morning as we get through this passage and uh, with a bit of help from the God, we're, uh, we're going to arrive at the same destination. Hebrews 13, verses 11, verse 11 to 14 says this. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burnt outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Holy Spirit, I pray today as we come around your word that, God, this wouldn't just be um, some information, God, it wouldn't just be an opinion, but Holy Spirit, this would become revelation. I pray, would you breathe on every word that I speak? Holy Spirit, would you speak to our minds and our hearts um, that we would um, understand more of you? In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, which is what I'm assuming you're doing if you've got your phone out, but the Lord sees. Uh, no, if you're taking notes this morning, it is this, game change, colon, better out than in. Don't write the word colon. Game change, better out than in. You're actually colon and better out than in is a bad combination. Look, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives revelation, sometimes you get there yourself. Right, better out than in. Have you ever noticed that it feels good to be in. It feels good to be in. Let me tell you a story about a day that changed my life. It was the 16th of April, 2017. 16th of April, 2017. I thought it was a normal day. I was at the Auckland International Airport. I had um, I'd already checked in online and been through the whole process. Uh, most of my family live in Brisbane. I've got one brother who's here on the front row who says that no one knows he exists, so now you know he exists. Um, <laughs> So uh, most of the families in Brisbane, so I was flying over, do that several times a year to see them, and I was at the counter, I'd already checked in online, like I said, and handed over my bag, it was the right weight, I hadn't packed any aerosols, knives, any of that kind of stuff, it was all going smoothly. And then as I was about to walk off, the attendant behind the counter kind of made a comment. You know sometimes you're just not expecting to hear something or it doesn't fit in your, your idea and you just don't, you can't, your brain can't comprehend it? Anyone ever had that kind of moment? Yeah. So I had to look at her and go, I'm really sorry, what did she say? And she kind of looked at me like I was a bit odd, and she said, oh, you're in business class today. Now, two thoughts came into my mind pretty simultaneously. The first one, the, um, the law-abiding side of me wanted to say, I think you've got this wrong, I'm not in business, I didn't book business. But then the smart side of me, it's like there's two sides of my brain and this side kind of just reached over and grabbed the other side, the mouth of the other side and it was like, shut your pie hole, don't say anything, just get out of there. And so I just kind of walked off and I'd legitimately been upgraded to business class. Now I walked through that airport like I've never walked before. I'm like smiling at everybody. Hi, hi, hello, hi, hi. Like, I'm in the lounge, you know, you wait to get on the plane and it's usually like a big drag and a big wait and I'm just smiling at everybody and, uh, you know, I actually really wanted to go through economy and just like 
I, I literally, I was like, I had this Oprah, visions of Oprah grandeur in my head. I was, seriously wanted to walk through and go up to people and be like, hi, who are you? I just want to tell you, don't give up on your dreams. <laughs> hey, it can happen for you too. <laughs> my friend, it'll happen to all of us. Like, believe for big things. Like, all this, this is just going through my head. And I, once I've gone through all of economy, I was then going up to business class. I'm going to start, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Um, good, you didn't laugh. Don't listen to that song. Uh, but I was just on cloud nine. I was going to hug every single, like, staff member I saw. I was stoked and... You know, I got in and I just wasn't cool about it at all. Like, they had like a whole bunch of like sparkling water and still water and juices and little cans of Sprite and all this stuff in your seat. I was drinking everything that was like in that little compartment because I was like, if I've got it, I'm, except the pineapple juice. You cannot pay me to drink pineapple juice. But the rest of it, I was in for. There was like a compartment next to me. I put my shoes in there because if I've got a compartment, I'm going to use it. Um, I'll confess, went to the bathroom, I was like, oh, what is the freebie? Oh, yeah, I'll take, a, I'll take a raise this kid, and just went to town. Was not cool in the slightest. It didn't last, though, because uh, that airline stopped flying between New Zealand and Australia, so I am a man of the people, once again. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it feels good to be in. It feels good to be in. And, um, you know, it doesn't just apply to business class upgrades. There's a... Uh, we can feel in generally in life. And I was thinking about how often we use the words in and out to describe our kind of situation in life. So let's put this out there. When something is popular and well-loved, we say it's in fashion. If you've got vital information, if you've got the goss, if you've got the tea, whatever your language is, if you know what other people want to know, it says that you're in the know. Um, if, you want, if people want your attention, you're in demand. If you're surrounded by people who are admired and esteemed, it said you're in the in crowd or the inner circle. And so in our society, we've got this whole idea of in is good. You think about maybe like uh, who's part of any sort of loyalty program, whether a supermarket, a petrol station, an airline, anything like that, a whole bunch of us. All the language around it is about being part of a club, being a member, having a certain status. It's all about this idea of being in. The opposite of that, is, of course, is out. If what we wear or what we do is considered not relevant or not particularly appreciated at this time, we are called out of style or out of touch. We can be out of the loop. We can be outdated. We can be outmoded. We can be... Um, ultimately, if we lose connection and validation from the outside world, from the world around us, we're called an outsider. And this idea of the in and out, in and out, uh, is actually a big one. Because we, spend, we can spend a lot of our lives just pursuing the desire to be in. Whatever that looks like with wealth, we want to be in. With a job title, that can be in. Where we live can be in. Who we hang out with can be in. The number of people who applaud us or follow us on social media can be in. And today I want to look at this in and out section because I think what we're going to find when we come back to that passage was things didn't kind of go the way that we would think they would go. You see, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem during Jesus' time had in and out to a whole nother level. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask a few people to come on up so you know who you are. Will you come and join me? Give them a big hand as they come on up.
Crowd participation. Everyone loves it until it's them. You can come stand right over this way, right down this way, all of you. Thank you very much. So this is how it would work in the city of, in the nation of Judah during Jesus' time, Judea. Uh, basically, they're like, you know, we have a bit of that Auckland-Wellington rivalry sometimes, where Auckland's like, well, we're the bigger city, and Wellington's like, that's nice, but we're the capital. There was none of that in Judea. Jerusalem was the city. And wherever you lived in the nation, you would have to come into Jerusalem at least three times a year for festivals. But even once you came into Jerusalem, then the center of the city, culturally uh, and religiously, was the temple. That was the place to be. But then even within the temple, there were only certain areas you could get to. So if my friends, you will come with me. We're, uh, we've all come into Jerusalem for a festival. Look, so you get very good. Come closer, come closer, come closer. We're going to try and get in, which is the other side. And so we've all come to Jerusalem for this festival, but the problem here is uh, Pastor Ian is a Gentile. (laughs) So that means at that time that he could only go into the very outermost court, which was a court of Gentiles. So you're going to stay here. The rest of us are going to take a step closer to Ian. So bye, Felicia. The rest of us will take a step forward. Okay, so once you got into that court, we've all made it so far, which is great. But the problem was at that time, if you were a woman, that's also as far as you could get. So I just thought, I don't want to step on any landmines here, so Tracy, you will be the woman. Yep. So this is as far as you're going, okay? So the rest of us, we're going to take a step further in. So we're now about halfway through, and this is where all the Jewish men could come. But this is as far as I could get. So, I mean, you're all great candidates. Uh, Pastor Derek, you'll be going to be a Jewish man, so this is as far as you can go. Be nice to know you. Guys, we're going to move on. So the next inner level of the, the courts was where the, only the priests could go. Okay, so we've got two very holy men here. But <laughs> I'm going to ask one of them to be a little holy than the others. So, Pastor Carl, you're going to stay here. <laughs> And then, Steve, you and I are going to head into the Holy of Holies. Now, the only person who was allowed here in the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And that was once a year on one day of the year. Looking very holy. All right, you give them a big hand. Thank you very much. You guys can grab a seat. And so you can see there was a very um, clear sense of in and out. Now, the, the, the big thing about why on earth would that high priest only go into that room once a year? Why only him? And that one day a year was called the Day of Atonement, and the high priest would offer a sacrifice for all the sins of the people. And what that involved was, um, in order to atone for sins, in order to pay for the people's sins, an innocent animal would be sacrificed, uh, and the blood would be sprinkled in that Holy of Holies in the presence of God to say, God, would you forgive us? We've offered up death for the sin we've caused. And so it would make sense in that whole hierarchy that when Jesus would come, and the Son of God walking on earth, the innocent, pure, blameless one, he'd be bypassing that court of Gentiles, straight through the court of women, past the men, past the priests, and kind of tapping the high priest on the shoulder and being like, I've got it from here. That would make sense, right? That Jesus of all people would be the one to go the furthest in. But we're going to come back to our passage in Hebrews 13 and read what it says. Verse 11 again. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, as we've talked about. But the bodies are burnt outside the camp. 
And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. This is what we call a game change. A game change. Things are meant to go a certain way and something happens which doesn't completely flip that moment, but flips everything after it. And here's the deal. Usually in our desire to be in, it's for a number of reasons. Number one, it's for satisfaction. We want the very best of life. I want to be in business class every time. I want that satisfaction. I want the most out of life. But sometimes it's about validation. I want to know that I'm appreciated. I want to know that I'm loved, that I'm valued, that I'm popular. Sometimes it's about significance. I want to know what I do is important. I want to know that I have purpose. I want to know that I have a reason to be alive. I want to know that I'm making a difference. And sometimes being in is about community. I want to be around the right people. I want to be around the best people. I want to be around people who I enjoy their company and who bring the best out of me and will help me move forward. And you see, the game change was we can pursue all this stuff by going in, but you see, Jesus knew he had all that. He knew who he was. In regards to satisfaction, he said, my, it's, um, he was asked once by his disciples, like, don't you want to eat? And he said, my food is to do the will of the God who sent me, the will of the Father who sent me. Validation, he knew who he was. That's why the Son of God can remove his outer layer and wash feet stinking, disgusting, dusty feet of his disciples because they already knew who he was. When it comes to significance, he knew what he was called to do. It didn't have to be impressive. It could be, in, in fact, Hebrews says, you know, he scorned the shame of the cross because he saw beyond it. He saw the significance to what he was doing. And he knew he was in relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. So rather than go in, he goes out to pay the price for us. Rather than go in, he goes out. And the reason he did that was this. You see, Jerusalem at the time was the big city. It was the big apple of its day. It was the place to be. But he understood that Jerusalem in itself is just a shadow city. It's not going to last forever. Um, You know, there are buildings today that are crumbling. They've got to be restored. He understood that eternity to come, though, that there is a heavenly city, and that's the ultimate aim. And so he went outside the shadow city to pay the price for us to die on our behalf to lead other people into the eternal city. And what I want to suggest is that this whole idea of pursuing or going out to bring others in is what servanthood as our spirit is all about. That's what it's all about. Rather than pursuing something for ourselves, we go out to bring others in. It's the ability to look past what might look the most valuable in knowing what actually will bring an impact to someone else. Servanthood is our spirit. And, you know, I was thinking a bit about that naturally over this week, and uh, one of the terms that kind of grates me a little bit, just letting you in on my very human self, is this term social media influencer. Now, this morning is not a beat up on social media, but I heard someone say recently, oh, you know, social media influencers. And typically, not always, but typically a social media influencer is someone who gets paid by other companies to kind of stand in beautiful places 
looking beautiful with heavily sponsored products conveniently in their hand. And it's always kind of labelled like, oh, just took a quick snap while I was... I'm like, that was not a quick snap. You got lighting, you got a photographer. There's a, that's taken you an hour to get that pose. Um, but it's these people who are called influencers because they show off their lives, what they look like, what they can do, um, the, the opportunities they've got, the wealth that they've got. And the idea is they influence other people to want what, who they are, to be like them. Can I suggest that's a pretty shallow definition of influence? Because that's all about, again, trying to go in to someone else's experience. But rather, God calls us to go out and to serve others that they would come in. Rather than cause people wanting to envy us, rather they would see something greater than us and want to pursue that. And so that's what we're here to do. We're here to draw people in. You know, why, would, why on earth would we go out? Well, we would go out because we understand that our satisfaction is in Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, His plans for us are the very best. The opportunities He has for us are the very best. He's a God who blesses abundantly. So if our satisfaction is Him, we can go out knowing that other people can come in to discover that. Come on, our validation, we sung this morning, I'm a child of God, yes I am. Come on, what more validation do you need that the God Most High calls you a son or a daughter? Um, that's our significance. You know, eye has not seen and ear has not heard the plans that He has for us. There is no more audacious plan for your life, no more significant plan for your life than that which God has for you. In community, come on, God draws us into this place. I think it's one Peter that says, once you were not a people, now you are people. In fact, He calls us a royal priesthood. That's pretty cool. You can walk into work tomorrow and be like, good morning, royal priest here. Morning, royal priest. Changing my job title, boss, royal priest. That's who we get to be. And you know, the cool thing is not only do we get to observe the game change that Jesus initiated, but we get to be that game change. We get to be that game change. So servanthood is our spirit. And the second one is excellence is our essence. Excellence is our essence. And what I love about this value is it's not perfection is our promise. Because, gee, that would be hard to live up to. And I would definitely be fired. Um, perf perfection is not our promise. See, perfection is all about appearances. Perfection is all about looking beyond any vulnerability, looking beyond any doubt, looking beyond any cracks or faults. Um, it's about people's perceptions of us. Excellence, however, is an attitude. Excellence is about, I'm going to place value on the people around me by doing something well, by giving it my everything. By excellence, I'm going to do what the Bible says and, and say, whatever you do in word or deed, do it unto God. I'm going to represent God in what I do. You know, when we have these two things in the heartbeat of who we are, when servanthood is our spirit, when excellence is our essence, you know what it does? It speaks that game change to our world. Many years ago, I was sitting with a bunch of young adult leaders in my flat, and I can't remember what the night was about, um, but the most significant thing that came out of that night was this question I just spontaneously threw out, and I said, what was the first thing you noticed when you came to life? And I was expecting the worship team, or the preacher, or maybe someone who they talked to them in the foyer, but you know what half the people in that room said? How clean it was. How clean it was. Now, you and I don't 
magically make things cleaner when we walk into them. That means there's a bit of work that goes on behind the scenes. But that spoke incredible value to all those people. People who then not only got connected in, became part of the community, but then did exactly that, started to go out to bring other people in and began serving. And so can I encourage you that whatever your life looks like at this time, can we pursue these things? Can we pursue servanthood? Can we, can we pursue excellence? Because here's the great news. It is actually better out than in. It's better out than in. It's better to have a purpose. I was thinking about our conferences. You know, we've got life conferences in just a couple of weeks. And we have hundreds of people within our church who come out to volunteer for that event. Why on earth would you give up a week to serve in the background? Well, I can tell you why. Because with our college students, years ago, we did a survey and said, what was the hardest part of college? And the number one answer with a bullet was conferences. But we asked them another question. What was the best part of college? Number one answer with a bullet, conferences. We find our purpose. We find our meaning. We find our expression of what God has called us to do when we go out to bring others in. And look, there, this is a, I love this campus. I love how friendly this campus is. I love what we do. And I know there are so many people who are already involved in serving. My encouragement for you is, if you're here today and you haven't found that place yet, that's okay, but come on, what would you do to find what God has shaped you and, and crafted you for? Um, actually, out in the foyer today, we would have seen on the way in, there's a whole bunch of stands. You know what those stands are? Those stands aren't trying to sell you something. It's just an opportunity to have a conversation with someone, to find a little bit more, because what might happen in that conversation is you might find what God has planned for you for this moment. You might find part of what God has crafted for your life to do, how he has called you in on mission to make a difference for other people. So come on, would we be part of the game change? Come on, would we go out to bring other people in? In fact, I'm going to have the worship team to come join, please. I just want to tell you a little bit about what happened yesterday. I, I have not had a very normal couple of months. Um, just as there's been some projects we've been working on the background which have taken up a whole lot of time and um, it's, it's been a pretty hectic couple of months to be honest. And then this last week in the middle of all this, there was just kind of inconvenience after inconvenience. Stuff came up that I couldn't kind of plan outside of my work role but that was taking me out and I knew I was speaking today and there was a whole bunch going on. But in the midst of all of this, going, this kind of whirlwind around me, uh, two of my really good friends got married yesterday. Now, you know those people, there are people who are fun sometimes and there are people who are fun all the time, okay? Probably at best I'm fun sometimes. These couple are fun all the time. They are full of life, they're positive, they love people. It's always the best hanging around them and they just asked me to play a really small role in the day which was to pick up the bride and her dad and drive them to the ceremony. Now, two things you need to know about me. Number one, I'm not always super comfortable driving a car that's bigger than my own. And every car is bigger than what I'm used to when I drive a Mazda Demio. <laughs> and there were some tight driveways and the bride sent me to the wrong address and anyway, there was a whole bunch of stuff going on. The second thing is, I'm very, very bad at directions. Very bad. My brain does not compute that way. I am convinced I am alive at the same time as Google Maps because God had pity on me. So in the midst of this week, I got there an hour early yesterday and drove from the house to the church. It was literally a four-minute drive. 
but I practiced it so I knew I wouldn't get it wrong when she was in the car. Do you know when I had the, I was there super early and had the aircon blasting because it was a hot day and I checked to see that the car was clean and I'd gone there earlier to make sure that the parking was in place and my brother was there and lugging cones around in his suit to make sure that we had reserved parks for when the bridal team arrived. And then last night we were at the reception. It was a beautiful reception. The food was amazing. The decor was stunning, everything. But throughout the night, there was a couple of people who were really close to them who just realised there was a couple of glasses that would kind of run low on glasses or um, the food could maybe be... Uh, the guy preparing the food could use a bit of help and without saying a word, without making a big deal, a couple of the bridesmaids went out the back, found an apron, put them on and, and started helping with the food. And then a couple of people later got behind the sink and started washing up glasses and drying them. And, and, and you know, I thought, that's exactly it. Why would the people who would have the most reason to be in on that day, the people who've been chosen to be bridesmaids and groomsmen and people of honour at that ceremony, why would they go out to do that? You know what the answer is? They just knew the groom loved the bride and the bride loved the groom. And anything they could do on that day to make sure that nothing came between the bride and the groom, they were happy to do. Can I tell you, God does not see the church as a project. The church is not a task for Him. God calls the church His bride. The church His bride. And actually in the book of Ephesians, there's this verse that talks all about this. And it says this, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, he went out for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Come on, that's what our God has done for us, but there are more to come. Amen, there are so many more people to come. Would we be willing to go out to bring them in? Would we be willing to go out to make this place a beautiful reflection of God and His, the eternal home He is calling us to? We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.